This is No Halos Here, hosted by Jen Lang and Jane Stark, the place to inspire a change in your consciousness to elevate the world. We're two heart-centered business owners nourishing our inner rebels while growing our respective businesses. No Halos Here is the result of bringing together an opera singer turned spiritual mentor and a marketing professional turned well-being coach to meditate daily. Together, we unite physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energies into a powerful presence to lead, heal, and inspire. We love exploring the shadowed edges of life, the universe, and beyond through honest and thought-provoking conversations. Let's dive in. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of No Halos here with Jen Lang and Jane Stark. Today, we are really, really excited to have a fantastic person that I have known in the online business world, I'm going to say for at least four years, probably longer. I am um, welcoming, we are welcoming Suzanne Kohlberg from Australia to No Halos here. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Jane. Hello. So nice to have you here with us. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. We had a little brief, uh, a brief meet and greet a couple of weeks ago, and it was so juicy. It was, it was. And we actually have, this is a kind of ironic. We have bonded over the word shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we kind of have, haven't we? Because, you know, one of our taglines is own your shit, not everyone else's. And Suzanne wrote a book called The Beginning is Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Here we are. Yes, here we are. <laughs> unpacking the shit. Unpacking the shit. <laughs> so just in case you didn't get the memo, this episode is definitely not safe yeah. for young ears. <laughs> we'll need to uh, mark this we'll one need, with We'll mark e. it as explicit language before we get into this. And Suzanne, I'm going to hand this over to you to give us a brief introduction about who you are, where you're from, and what you're working on now. Thank you so much, Jen. I must admit, the introvert in me dies inside when it's like, introduce yourself. I'm like, hi. <laughs> um, no, thank you. So my name is Suzanne Kohlberg. I am an author, a healer, and a life coach. I call myself the accidental entrepreneur because I was going to be a doctor. I did five years of medical school. I was almost there. And my, my business journey is quite long. I originally was a personal trainer because exercise was the answer for everything. And I did that for just over a year. And then I trained to be a teacher and decided that I didn't actually want to teach people who weren't interested in learning anything. So six mm -hmm. months of that. <laughs> then I worked for the government for a couple of years in the call centre, um, got the kind of call centre butt happening. <laughs> you sit on a chair all day. <laughs> and uh, eventually I did, um, I was coached as a client in NLP and other coaching practices, released a butt ton of weight and become a weight loss coach. And I've recently reshifted really into this focus of overgiving because I find, uh, especially mm -hmm. women, we, we give so much to others. And then we will often say like, nobody ever does anything for me. And we kind of have this seeding resentment that we would never publicly admit to. Mm -hmm. But I believe that giving and receiving are paired states like inhaling and exhaling. So when you give and give and give the way that you receive, like an overgiver will overconsume, And that could be eating, which is my history. I'm a foodie. But it could also be overworking, over shopping, over scrolling, <laughs> compare and despair on Facebook or Instagram, that sort of thing. So we are receiving, but in ways that aren't actually healthy or um, nourishing for our souls. And so that's the focus of my work now, how to basically say no without feeling like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
how to sum it up book (laughs) kind of yeah the subtitle or the even like the next blog post or how to say no without feeling like yeah that's brilliant thanks for the intro suzanne and for an introvert it was spectacular and it really told us so much about your journey in a way that was um, clear relatable and i'm sure that all of us listening have had related in some form or another to something suzanne said whether it's that overgiving and receiving piece or if it was the compare and despair aspect of social media that infuses so much of our lives today and interestingly jane and i were just having a conversation this morning about what was it Overfunctioning. Overfunctioning, underfunctioning. so mm-hmm. a similar a similar way and the way it, like we were both reflecting on um relationships How in it our shows lives. Up in relationship yeah yeah and you know it's like oh i overfunction in this area but i'm maybe I'm, am i being too critical if i say i'm underfunctioning in this area so there's that reflection piece but without getting caught in the the pit of despair you know yes space so powerful yeah and i'd say i'm an i'm a recovering overfunctioner um so what you talk about suzanne and you know just sort of i haven't read your book yet but i would it's it's on our list and i have the first two chapters because (laughs) you have a great a great offer there where if you want to read the first two chapters of her book is it just sign up on your uh, website, right? On my and website, suzannekolberg.com two... forward slash book. First two chapters is there. Well, right. And that does not put you on her newsletter. FYI. Does it say, fun fact, it does not add you to my newsletter. It's one of my pet peeves. You have the option to opt in after that, but I don't like I- implicit consent. It's like, no, if you want to join my newsletter, that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. I really respect that. Um, what I was going to share, though, on the overfunctioning and what Jen was sort of talking about, too, and you might have another... Um, I would love to hear what you have to say about this, Suzanne, around, I was listening to something the other day about this and how over-functioners by law of like, if you look at it almost like a math equation in a relationship, you're going to attract an under-functioner. And then, and then to your point where you're talking about the resentment that builds and all of the feelings you're, you know, it's almost until you start to meet yourself and become whole and start to step into your worthiness, then then the equation starts to shift. But as long as we're over-functioning, there's no room for another over-functioner to come in. Exactly. Um, or to and, and or to get to that healthy space of uh, I would interdependence is the word that comes to mind. Mm. Um, yeah, what what would you say on that? It it's interesting because everything is in a paired state. There needs to be a balance. So if you're an over-functioner, then by virtue, you will attract underfunctioners, or mm-hmm. you would portray them in that aspect. So I imagine you could have a relationship with two overfunctioners, but you would be overfunctioning in different areas. Mm-hmm. So say, for right. example, you could have yeah. one person who's like, I'm I'm in charge of the house and the kids, and the other ones, I'm in charge of making the income. And it could kind of work, but not healthily. Mm. <laughs> That's not a word, it is now. Um, not in a healthy way. So, and it's interesting because when we have a push energy, like I overfunction in this area, we not. And the thing is, we're not conscious of any of these things until mm-hmm. we get to the point where we are burnt out, exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then we get resentful and blamey. So it's, it's fascinating the balance and owning our place in it rather than falling into the victim archetype of like, nobody ever does anything for me. It's like, because I don't let them. <laughs> oh, yes. that was me for a long time. And this is I the didn't other let them. I wasn't open to receiving. Yeah, me too. Or mm-hmm. it also, I mean, 
again, if I use this, if I use myself, overfunctioner also means I want control, right? Ooh. So control freak goes along yes. with that. A hundred percent. And realizing that and, and, and letting go of that can be challenging, especially if it's something that we have developed as a, as a coping mechanism. Like, yeah. I, and I think in terms of overeating and binge eating, like that's been my personal history. There was so much in my life I couldn't control, but I could control what I ate mm-hmm. and even over because, you know, that was something that there's no passive eating, like there's passive smoking. I can't blame anybody else for that except myself. Mm-hmm. So what was your oh, journey? Yeah. Can you share a little bit of your journey then to, I mean, this is exactly what a big piece of what Jen and I talk about with that owning our shit, right? Like you just sort of said that, that you're the one, there is no how did you say it? There's no passive overeating. Passive eating, like there's passive, passive smoking. <laughs> right. So and you had to own it. So what what did that look like for you? Well, basically the beginning, the beginning is shit. Um, <laughs> when I was very young, my parents put me on my first diet. So that the the pattern that I inherited was from modeling that we diet. We start on Monday, we clean out the pantry. We'd be really good until Friday when we fall off spectacularly and have, you know, no holds barred binge fest until Sunday night when we clean the pantry out again. So that has what was what was modeled to me as a child. And I do remember going to visit people's houses, like friends' houses, and they're having like avocado. Oh, can't eat avocado. It's so fattening. Mm. In hindsight, I imagine they must have just been laughing at me as soon as I left or whatever. Anyway, I digress. Wasn't that so- also kind of part of, sorry, wasn't that also kind of part of, like, I remember there was a time when we thought that, right? And anything that was mm. high fat was bad. I know. It's fascinating, yeah. isn't it? That's what the- prompted the whole margarine movement, right? Oh, you can't have butter. It better <laughs> oh. be margarine. Like, and oh, then they yes. discovered the whole margarine was like horrifically worse than <laughs> butter. <laughs> well, or like- all the, the whole low the whole low fat movement. Like I grew up same thing in a household where Mm -hmm. it was skim milk and fat free sour cream and like fat free yogurt and all of those things. And now it's, it was very, I'm taking us on a tangent here briefly. I want to come back to to what you were saying there, Suzanne, but it, it was an interesting exercise as I started to move in. I certified as a health coach. And as I started to look more and more at what I was putting in my body, I, you know, shifted to, you know, even with my kids, I never moved them off full fat milk. Um, and you know, it was, my mom was sort of like, not, not judgy, but just like, this was so weird for her because she was so yeah. in that, but it also, she was a product of her time, right? Like exactly. That's how it my was. My parents haven't moved out of that. So they no. live in a different state. And when we visit, I always buy my own butter and milk, like full fat. Yeah, we bring and if our they own come milk here, too. I go to the shop and get the skim milk and the fat because mm-hmm. I won't eat anything differently. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a movement, um, yeah. but not for everybody. And like the people's houses I'd, I'd visit when they had like avocado or bacon or full fat milk, I'd be there in like horror. But this mm. is the fascination of it because yeah. we would eat these low fat skim tasteless things and then no, it's a little wonder we're like binging biscuits and whatever, because like, hello, but then you just didn't see, like, even with clients I work with, it's fascinating to me how it's like, I couldn't eat bread. Like I can't eat toast. Bread's bad, but I'll go to McDonald's and do a drive-through run. So it's like, mm. if I'm going to, if I'm going to go bad, I'm going to go all the way <laughs> Right. Wrong with our thinking there. Um, anyway, so that's, that's how it started. 
And I moved out of home at 18 and I continued that cycle. And then I eventually, as in not that much longer, joined Weight Watchers, the the Mm well-known program, had a lot of success, dropped 43 kilos, which is just shy of 100 pounds. And the thing was, this started, you can read about it in my book, like lots and lots of these things. But whenever I found the diet, that was like the answer. It was like, I found the thing but I was the fat, lazy fuck who couldn't keep it up. So it was, it was fascinating to me because it's like, if these things truly worked, why do we fall off them? Mm-hmm. We, we give our power to the program and say, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, Tony Ferguson, insert the thing. Ah! And then I'm just like, I can't do this. So there's something wrong with me. It sets us up for thinking there's something inherently wrong with us. Yeah. When what really is wrong with us is that we think we have to measure every morsel and, use apps and all this sort of stuff. So basically I reached a point where I was like, there are people in this world who maintain their weight without punishing themselves, depriving themselves, measuring, weighing, all this sort of stuff. There must be something else Mm -hmm. going on here. I'm Mm -hmm. a fairly smart person in other areas of my life. Why can't I get my shit together here? And that started this for me basically where I quit dieting entirely. And a lot of people say to me, well, I've done that. There's a difference between truly quitting dieting where I'm like, I'd rather be fat forever than deal with this and kind of kind of quitting it where you've got half a foot in and half a foot out and you're like doing it for a bit until you don't. So when you're like, I'm not going back to that, this is it. I think you really start to relearn to tune into your body's wisdom who's like, actually, when I can eat as much cookie dough as I want, I don't actually like it. It makes me feel sluggish. I'm tired. I have no energy rather than I got no self-control and I'm going to do this until I'm sick of myself. Like there's, yeah. there's this yeah. clear distinction that's you know, really hard for people to get because half of them still in the next diet, but I wasn't. I was like, I'm never doing that to myself again. I cannot physically, mentally, emotionally put myself through that. And I don't judge people who do use my fitness power or apps or heart rate monitors. Like, you know, you do you is one of my philosophies, mm-hmm. but um, I don't want to be controlled by some external thing telling me what to do ever again. And that ladies and gentlemen is the own your shit piece of this program <laughs> because it is owning your own responses and your own story and your own experience so that you can move forward without being controlled by all these external factors. So giving up your power. So owning your shit is reclaiming your power. Yeah. Mm. It's not giving it away to all those external things like the diet program, like the app, like the, you know, maybe even a fitness trainer, nutrition coach who might, you know, you give up, tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. You know, that's not empowering at all that's giving up your power. Yeah. And that's what I found. So I trained as a health coach, um, four years ago and I did it because I was really interested in the whole holistic health space. And, and my program was much more mindset based, but what I found through the program was that that was the part that didn't resonate for me. I knew deep down that I was like, I can sit and tell people all day long how to eat you know, make sure you're eating this way, moving your body, all the things. But if they're not truly connected within and, and connected to themselves and connected to that deeper place, they're not like, it doesn't matter. It's not going to work. And it frustrated me. And it was exactly what you're saying, Suzanne, where it's like, you know, that 
throwing that all away and finding our power and and noticing like one of the one of the things that we learned was an exercise to connect to exactly what you're saying like all of a sudden hey if you eat all that cookie dough how do you actually feel you know or and and on the opposite side too of like you know when you go i know you might not want to go out and move your body but when you go out and do it how do you feel after and starting mm. to actually reconnect those neural pathways to mm-hmm. oh this makes me feel good or this gives me pleasure because the the brain is hardwired for pleasure we're always yes. seeking pleasure mm-hmm. it's just gone on the fritz when we connect pleasure to sugar or been hijacked by the food industry um yeah, that was, that's, that's a big part of what brought me on my journey into the mindset and the, the coaching piece. And now, um, moving away from that, I don't even like saying that I'm certified as a health coach because I feel like people tend to go and think that, yeah, I'm going to go into nutrition or fitness. And I don't, And I think that's the thing when you aren't happy with where you are and you are looking for support, there's a difference between holding your own agency and getting support through that and, absolving yourself of your own agency and listening totally to someone else and you can do this in whatever area of your life your health your business your relationships work um and what can happen is so say you're like i can't stand myself anymore i need to make a change i'm going to go and join this program dietitian nutritionist personal trainer whatever flog me (laughs) make me work hard part of us is happy for a bit because we're like we don't need the responsibility of this anymore i'm going to give it all to this other person But then also part of us is enslaved then because Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. that person, this diet, this program says I must do this and I must not do this. It's kind of like holding a beach ball underwater. At first it's really easy, but then your arms start to hurt. And as soon as you let go, the ball shoots up, hits you in the face. (laughs) And part of you is celebrating because you have all your own agency back and you're not enslaved to this thing anymore. So part of you is like, yes. But the other part is like, I'm still unhappy. So it's like learning to balance between actually receiving support that is supportive of you Mm. rather than handing over the reins Mm. to say like you do this because nobody can walk for you or exercise for you or even eat for you and it's so funny so many people like the clients you're talking about that came to you Jane would say if only I was rich I could hire someone to follow me around and slap food out of my hand and I'm like seriously and they're like yeah I'm like you would just fire their ass when you're in a total rebellion you would Mm. fire them eat all the things and then hire someone else. Like we are never actually going to have true change if we're going to hand that over to somebody else on our behalf. Yeah. And that's the crux of it, right? As long as we're so conditioned to outsource our power. But then we also outsource our thing because we're like, Weight Watchers is amazing. Tony Ferguson's amazing. Jenny Craig's amazing. And I'm the fat lazy fuck who can't keep my shit together. Where it's like, it's no, you, you're the problem, but you're also the solution. It's both. And then, and then I think that's kind of added to by when we see before and after posters and success stories and things that we, when we're scrolling, we're like, I want that. I want to buy that result. But then if you look at the tiny little asterisk that says results, not typical, (laughs) why are they leading with that? Why are they marketing with their 0.1%? Or individual results may vary. Like, yes, yes. It's the same way that they sell investment products. Past performance is no indication of future performance. Well, yeah, because none of us can tell the future. But that is always in that little asterisk. I you buy this product, buy this collection of funds. Oh, work with this person or buy this herbal product or buy this, like, I don't know, snake oil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, yes. in order to 
Um, and again, it's still another form of disempowerment and not actually taking responsibility in a, in a more holistic way for all parts of your being. So you might have the agents to say, I have chosen to do this. I have chosen to give a portion of myself, allowed a portion of myself to be supported. However, you've only done like 30% of the thing. It's the, you know, like you talk about, it's that equation, Suzanne, that you mentioned. Can you talk, can you go into that equation a little bit more around um, what you mentioned with the, the, the balance and the equity of that receiving and yeah. peace? So I have like, I call it, <laughs> the overgiving cycle. So what mm-hmm. happens is we want to make a change. So we, we make plans, whether that be join a diet, join a program, you know, enroll in a course. We're like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And we're usually really excited when we make the plan. We're like, we're like, oh, okay, I need to buy all these weird ingredients and go to a fancy supermarket and like, what the hell, how much does this cost? But no, this is going to be the thing. I've got this. So we fill our fridge with, you know, all these fresh things and we're like, yes. And then somebody asks something for us. Hey, could you just pick up my kids, sell these cookies, get my script, like help me move house? I don't know. (laughs) So we ditch our plans to look Mm -hmm. after others. We overgive. Um, This is where we can't say no. We're like, oh, it's okay. I'll do it tomorrow. And then what happens is our fridge full of fresh things is wilting in the crisper while we go and buy cheap and cheerful to keep everybody happy because we've been so busy helping all these other people. And then we burn out and we, we, whether we admit it to ourselves or not, we can kind of start to feel a bit resentful. Like, oh, she's always asking me to help her. Never occurs to us that we could say no, (laughs) but we start to feel a bit resentful. Then we overconsume in whatever way, overeat, overshop, overwork. Maybe, you know, you sit on the couch binging Netflix and chips uh, and scrolling like you're the trifecta. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then we feel guilty because we've got all this stuff, spent this money on this program, stuff's wilting in the fridge. So then we're like, oh, must need to be a new plan. Like it never occurs to us. It's like, okay, when we move to next thing, I've wrote an entire book about this, (laughs) this cycle. It's like, okay. And then the next plan, it's going to be the same thing. Mm -hmm. And we look for the right planner, the right to-do list, the right program, the right thing, when really the intervention point is actually saying no without feeling like a bitch. Um, Could you do this? Like, no. And no being a whole answer. And then divorcing ourselves from all the over-responsibility and the reactions to people's things. Because the thing is, you know, we were talking at the beginning about, um, I've lost the word, over-functioning. Mm-hmm. and finding under-functioning people. The mm-hmm. thing about people who are under-functioning, if you say no, they will ask somebody else. It's like revolutionary, I know, but people who are like, help me, help me, help me. You're not the end, be all, end all, only person in the universe to help them. They will find <laughs> another. And I think that's what's so freeing to be able to say, or if you don't really want to say no, like say, for example, Suze, can you help me move house at 6 a.m. tomorrow? No, I can help you at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Oh, but the, the truck's coming. It's not my problem. <laughs> so, you know, like, okay, so we, can yeah. I can I ask you a question though to go into that a little bit? Can you unpack a little bit of this how to say no without feeling like a bitch piece? Because I think yes. that is such a common feeling for especially women, but men too. Functioning, overgiving or, women. Yeah, all, men too. All, honestly, it, because all the whole gender is worth. Yes, but I think, but I will say women still more than men. Absolutely. Absolutely. Men because too, it's too, but, expected of us. 
yes. because it's part of the nice um, narrative that's um, that's modeled for us in yes, exactly. so much of social and how we're raised. But it's, yeah, you're right. Okay, Suzanne, Anyways. please. Yeah. So the, the simplest thing for any listener, as long as you're not driving or walking, like literally grab a piece of paper. You can pause this or grab your piece of paper. And on one side, write yes. Mm. And on the other side, write no. Um, we're on camera so you can see mine. Here's one I prepared earlier. And the thing <laughs> oh, is, oh, this. this was made by my son. Love but it. basically when you have your piece of paper, if someone says, hey, could you, what I invite you to do is hold it up with the yes sign facing them. Like, yes, I can do that. And then what's facing towards you? No. So having this little piece of paper is like life-changing because when you say yes to others, what are you saying to yourself? You're saying no. So it's learning and it's going to be challenging in the beginning. So choose your audience. Don't Because the thing is when we have really loose boundaries, what we can do is go to the other extreme and have really tight boundaries. Mm-hmm. And that's not healthy either because when you say no to everything and everyone all the time, then you're not open to receive. So it's learning to have the porous boundaries porous not porest (laughs) but like when to say yes and when to say no and this will take time but in the beginning and and then there will be some pushback especially for people Mm -hmm. who have become used to you Mm -hmm. being the yes person and the doormat and the martyr but for people who come into your life who've never known you in any other way they will really appreciate it Brene Brown says and this quote I swear changed my life clear is kind so we often think that if we don't say no or if we just eh, like, but when we're actually really clear. So say, for example, if you guys were like, Suze, we're having a Tupperware party. Would you like to come? In the past, I would have gone. I hate Tupperware, by the way. I would have bought it <laughs> because I would have felt like I wanted to support yeah. you oh, yeah. and all this sort of stuff. So now I'd be like, thank you so much for inviting me. So, you know, not being a bitch thing. I really appreciate the invite. I don't actually like Tupperware, but if you have another sort of party, like feel free to invite me because otherwise doesn't it annoy you when someone says, Mm -hmm. oh yes. And then they cancel on the day. It's Mm -hmm. like, I have baked for you (laughs) coming to my house. (laughs) And then later on, I find out, oh my God, they didn't even like Tupperware. Had they just said, whereas we're so worried that people will hate us because we don't love the same things. But had, you know, a little bit of honesty rather than sure and cancel at the last minute, which a lot of us who can't say no feel more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Same for school. Like my school has these fundraisers with chocolate. If I bring chocolate into my house, I will eat it all. Like I know this. So instead I'm like, here's 50 bucks to the school because I get all of it. Have fun rather than giving me like 250 bucks worth of chocolate to sell, mm-hmm. which you only earn 50 bucks from anyway because they get such a small commission. Mm-hmm. The school's happy. I haven't eaten my weight in chocolate. Everybody's happy. So it's like learning what's in the in the service of you. It, it will take time. It's not magic. Okay, I'm going to say no to everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. And 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 dealing with the fallout because sometimes there's this like this, another example I could think of is say you um, your parents babysit. Mine don't live close, but I had this with a client, and she's like, my I, I thought I thought I was helping them because I thought they wanted to spend time with their grandkids. But basically the parents were getting to a point where she was asking too much and they couldn't say no. She was like, I would have been happily hired a babysitter, but I thought they wanted this. So it's all about being really honest and upfront with our communication and learning Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's going to be areas that are like, oh, this really hurts, but I can move through it. Or Mm -hmm. actually it's not that big of a deal because yeah, I can hire a babysitter. I want to, that's awesome. I love all of this. I'm seeing so much of people in my 
inner and outer circles who this would be so beautifully supportive and helpful for them. I want to just back up briefly to ask Suzanne to hold up because for our listeners who can't see us on video, I want to ask Suzanne to hold up her yes, no sign and I'm going to describe it. So she basically has a popsicle stick or like a garden wooden stick and she's got a big circle that says yes on one side and glued to the other side is the big circle that says no. And so, oh, Jane's going to take a picture. It's awesome. It's on our Instagram. Yes. So when you say yes to the other person across from you, the no is facing you. So it's reminding you that you are saying no to yourself or what are you saying no to in yourself when you say yes to that other person. And similarly, when you invert it and so when you say no to that other person, you are saying yes to yourself. And what can you say yes to in your life? Oh, because how so many of us we, we oh sorry I say we buy the program like we in, like invest mm-hmm. in a program this program's gonna be the thing I, I run an online program and it's always fascinating to me how many people are like you know I didn't watch any of it like I didn't I'm like exactly like this is this is the thing and also the good girl perfectionistiness is like we need to watch read listen to every single morsel and apply it all we're a failure mm-hmm. it's like yeah no. that used to be me <laughs> What, what if, what can you take? So whenever I do anything now, I look at the cost of investment. So my program's 1200. I'd be like, what's my $1,200 idea? Like for the life of me, not for this 10 weeks. What's the one thing I'm going to take from this that's going to be lifelong compounding. And um, yeah, I think it's so, and, and we do say, oh, I'll do it later. And that's why, like for me personally, I no longer run lifetime access because how many of us buy things because i'll get to it one day but we never do mm-hmm. it's so kind of like we yeah. have these yeah. digital dragons collecting dust of all these downloaded stuff that we've never opened how but many, we keep it just in case how <laughs> many udemy courses does mm-hmm. everybody listening or it's from what i think like or label your course class or yeah master class gaia tv all these other hay house for example how many courses and programs do you have sitting around that you're like, oh, I'll watch that later. Oh, I'll rewatch that later. I'll take notes later. Do it now, people. Do it now. Mm-hmm. Or go through, you know, like actually I've been, Jane and I have been talking about NLP because our last guest was an NLP master trainer. And I actually, I have an NLP course on Udemy that I have never opened. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll go back and take a look at that again. But you're right. You're looking for that next thing. Or in my case, it used to be the the qualification was tied to my self-worth. Well, I have another qualification. I'm worth more. I have another qualification. I'm worth more. And I'm unplugging from that now. I am qualified enough. Thank you very much. I'm pretty fucking talented, actually. (laughs) So you heard it here first. Nope. You heard it here for like the 7,000th time, probably. (laughs) We've been talking about this on the podcast. Every woman sitting here right now, in fact, I would argue that any, every single person listening to this as we talk about this is pretty fucking talented. But how mm. long have you told, how, how many times have you told yourself that? Mm-hmm. How so many times have you told yourself? back into the cycle. It's the make, make plan. It's the next course. How many mm-hmm. people are in the entrepreneur land? And I don't mean any judgment from that because I was there. Mm-hmm. And it's like when I get the next certificate, when I get to the next yeah. thing, this program has a business building thing. I, I don't know enough yet to start a business, to run a webinar, to, you know, and it's like, actually, you just need to ask people to just pay you. <gasps> That's too scary. Can't do that. Another qualification. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. that cycle too. You're right. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it shows up a lot in the entrepreneurial space, but to your point, it's everywhere and anywhere, right? It's in relationships. It's in your relationship to food. It's in your parenting. It's in, it's in everything, right? If, when I get here, if like, 
yeah, that not if this, but when I get here, I'll have made it when I get here. And the, the goalpost just keeps moving and you yes. never get, you never get to it. And to that point for, for Jen and Jane, for those listening, I'll explain it on my desk here. I actually keep a little piece of fool's gold ah. so you guys can see it, but I actually oh, have yeah. it on my desk because it's for the, if, if then like, you know, mm. when I lost the weight, then I'll be happy. When I sign X clients, then I'll be happy. When my kids go to school and I can have, you know, it's, but then you get to the point and it's like, oh, I'm still me. And you push the goalpost back. So this little fool's gold here is just to remind me that, you know, the time is now. That's why my program is called Why Wait. People always thought it was about body weight, but it's about what are we waiting for? That's why it's W and infinity. But say, like yeah. your time is now. What are we waiting for? Because now is all we ever have. And then once we have lost the weight and we're still not happy, what do we do? We It needs to be another five kilos. Or I need to get toned, like whatever the hell that means. <laughs> or in business. <laughs> Once I have X clients, oh, I'm still not happy. I need more. Once I, need, I, once I have job. a buffer of 10,000, oh, yeah. it needs to be 20,000. It needs to be yeah. 50,000. We're always pushing the goalpost back when really it's like, why aren't we happy today in this moment right now rather than once I've achieved some external thing? Yeah, I hear that in uh, the satisfied conversation. And just for people who are listening and can't see, um, Suzanne was holding a how many X hexagonal? Yeah, hexagonal piece yeah, of hexagonal pyrite. piece of pyrite or fool's gold, and so it sits on her desk. And we could ask her to share a picture of that after. Um, but it's really, I actually had a conversation with someone about it this morning, earlier this week, around the satisfied piece, where you know they're preparing work for a client and they don't feel that their work is up to snuff by their perception, but the client has said, "We totally trust you." This like you're amazing. And like they they've said, we trust you. Whatever you come up with will be fine. And still there's that underlying dissatisfaction. I don't have enough ready to show them yet. Mm. Well, what have you done? Well, like, you know, they they have this narrative around, you know, the client has provided some pieces or some documentation, but not necessarily the the cre the person has to create the content out of what the client sorry there's a really noisy vehicle you're just going to hear that on the recording i was going to say it's hard to mute yourself when you're in the middle of talking <laughs> hard to mute yourself when i'm talking so you know i'm just going to keep talking but basically what i'm getting down to here is that the person felt that you know they still have this underlying dissatisfaction i'm like well why don't you just it's enough yeah what is enough, enough, enough right is the question when yeah, is enough when enough, is enough enough, enough? And I think we can create that inadvertently. So I, yeah. I know before I can think of an example, I was moving house and um, this person was doing like feng shui reports. And I was like, great, that sounds awesome. I don't know anything about feng shui, but I'm about to set up my house. Here's my money. I'd like the report, please. And so I think I paid her in October. I was moving in December. November come, didn't get the report. December come, didn't get the report. Messaged her, oh, it's coming. And I was like, I'm moving now. So anyway, to cut a very long story short, I eventually got the report in April of the following year. And when I chatted to her, like she was also a friend and she was like, it just wasn't enough. I had to keep adding to it. I had to keep, I'm like, what you've actually created, like I am dissatisfied now and frustrated because I've already moved my stuff and I'm not moving again. Like I've got kids and all this sort of thing. But had she handed to me what she had done in December, it would have been enough but we yeah. end up creating that in our own perfectionism. It's not enough. Mm -hmm. It's not enough. It's not enough. Um, rather than 
for, for the people who are hiring us, like, I don't know anything. And another person I worked with who was doing numerology, I know nothing about numerology. So whatever you give me would have been amazing. Mm. But in our own compare and despair to our own people who are training us or people who are experts in industry, it's never enough. And then we create that dissatisfaction because we're not actually delivering on time. And it's got nothing to do with us not being enough. It's us delaying the handing over of the item. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So So, go ahead. I was going to say that like for my book, the imperfect book written and published trumps the perfect book I never put out there. Like there's going to be things in there that I read later and go, oh, but that's what you do second editions for. So with anything that you're creating, if you're like, oh, it's not enough. I need another certification. It's not Mm -hmm. perfect to the people that you're serving. It's enough. That's a really good reminder. It's a great reminder. I, I caught myself in it this morning. And I'm not saying like caught as in a bad, like a judgment piece. It was like, I was genuinely conscious of where I had been resisting sharing about something. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And I was able to talk through it with someone, but it was very uh, revealing. Again, it was just another layer of where I was keeping myself unintentionally hidden or unintentionally small because I thought I I was like, oh, I don't have the right words or... um, my experience isn't as valuable as someone else's experience and therefore not as meaningful. Who says that? Who says that? All of our experiences are valuable. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the comparisonitis gremlin that just takes a different form. So unpicking that is so powerful. And then I think there's also the fear, like fear of failure, fear of, you know, people's response. I ran a, I ran a masterclass last week. It was so funny. It was just as I was getting sick and I thought I'll be right. Anyway, I had this tech hiccup. I got kicked off. Like totally my computer just crashed two minutes after I started Mm -hmm. and all the things I was telling myself, everyone's going to be gone. I'm going to come back to crickets, whatever. That was still there. Just chatting amongst themselves in the Zoom room. (laughs) So often like that perfectionistic, the standards we set for ourselves that are so high. And it's like people get that life happens and, you know, technology, we do the best that we can. And when we hold ourselves to unrealistic standards, it's our, it's all internal, not the external. And the thing is, if you're going to be like, I don't want to work with her because she has Zoom issues, um, (laughs) you're going to probably have that with everybody because everyone has tech stuff at some time. Well, it's like that cute little meme that goes around. It's like how Zoom meetings are like a seance. Hello? Hello? Are you there? (laughs) Hello? Can you hear me? (laughs) I think I'm feeling something. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So fun. Suzanne, I just want to wind it back a little bit to what you were sort of saying about um, the beginning is shit, your, the way you work with women, your journey, somebody who resonates with what you've shared here on the podcast so far, where would you tell them to start? That's a great question. I guess it's really with some self-reflection of what are the standards that you've set for yourself that you're comparing yourself again against, which, you know, perhaps are unrealistic. And it's going to sound like cliche, 
to start with self-kindness and self-compassion because people are like, oh, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to be kind to ourselves because Mm -hmm. we do have these expectations that, you know, I want it to look like this. But there's this quote, and I usually remember it, but I can't get it at the moment, but it's like Ira Glass. I'm probably pronouncing their name wrong. But it's saying that, you know, in the beginning when you're trying to create something, you have really good taste. That's what gets you into the game. Like I want to have a business or I want to have a body that looks like this or I want this is the change that I want to make. And we're so busy looking at where we want to be that we lose sight of where we are. And you can't hate yourself skinny or, or do all the things to yourself, like live a life that you love to create a life that you love. There's, there's a disconnect there. So I'd be saying to people to look at where you are now with a lens of compassion, with a lens of, you know, what can I do today? So if you're wanting to drop a bunch of weight, eventually you might want to run or you might want to as I say drink kale smoothies I don't know why you'd want to do that because to me kale tastes like I'd rather be fat but you know you do you (laughs) but instead of going I'm going to change everything overnight huzzah what little tiny baby step can you take like maybe you know do you own running shoes and everything I say it's never to sound facetious or judgmental but like do you have the gear okay cool when can you fit it into your schedule and, and what are you going to have to delegate, ditch or, or release to make time for you? Because often we just try and shove that in amongst everything else we're already doing. Mm-hmm. So my actual starting point would be not to go and buy a program or a, uh, anything. It'd be like, okay, what am I doing that's no longer serving? What do I need to let go of to make time for me? Um, and that's funny with my program. Why wait? The first week often throws people because we don't actually do anything. Like usually when you sign up <laughs> to do a plan, you know, where's all the things that we do in week one? It's like we do nothing and it freaks people out. But it's like make space, yeah. declutter, clear, make the time for you. This time will go so fast rather than adding into something that's already overpacked. So my first thing would be to people is to make space for you as, as silly as it may sound. It doesn't sound silly at all. Um, that's awesome. And I think you talked about Ira Glass. Is this the dif- difference between uh, having good taste and doing good creative work? Yes. Is that, is that the thing? Okay, so we'll post some of the links to that in the show notes. I think there's a YouTube, but it looks like you're... It's, it's a quote, it's a, it will change your life because it's basically when you start something, you've got really good taste, which is what you got in, what gets you into the game. But then mm-hmm. when you start, your thing's kind of shit. <laughs> Ira Glass yep. doesn't say that. That's Susan's, you know. And then you're comparing <laughs> She's that. Paraphrasing. You're comparing that shitness to how it's going to look eventually, and that's what gets you out of the game. Whereas if you're like, actually, any every master was once a disaster. When you look at somebody who, it's funny, I've been running these webinars, masterclasses now for four years. I had a, a, a friend come who went to my first one, and she came to this one where I got kicked off, and she was like holy cow woman confidence in spades and I was like I was feeling so flustered because I'd been kicked off and she's like I forgot she came at the beginning so and the thing is what do we do to our beginning things we usually delete them throw them away shred them because Mm -hmm. they're so bad keep them Mm -hmm. I love watching my first Facebook live but I was so embarrassed I have my child in it and I breathe into a paper bag literally for an hour beforehand before I did it whereas now I just walk up a hill with my hair in every direction don't even know what I'm talking about um because that's yeah. that's how you get the progress yeah. by the little steps instead of going oh it wasn't perfect I'm going to throw it out um yeah you've yeah. got taste in whatever you're wanting to create and your best at the time gets to get better but it doesn't get better if you keep throwing it out all the time absolutely 
I, that's like a conversation I have with clients all the time is I have to remind them it's the baby steps and the baby steps add up to big things, but yes. we can't, yeah, it, it's not reality to think that we can go from here, you know, A to Z overnight. And look at all those happen. overnight success stories. Look at the fine print where it yeah, says results, exactly. not typical. And also how many, like, so say, for example, if you looked at my very last iteration of weight release, you know, 78 kilos, it did take three years, but it's kind of like, I lost and regained and lost and regained in excess of 500 kilograms to get to that point. Mm, so the yeah. overnight success was 30 years in the making. Right. <laughs> That's so true though. For, for so many things in life where any, any sort of over, we have this false perception of, I, I, I even really dislike, you know, we all have our pet peeves about phrases. I hate the phrase overnight success because mm-hmm. it literally does not exist. No, it does not. There's, there is actually, if you break down the words, literally, it is a success overnight, but it, like you said, Suzanne, it's been 30 years in the making. So you've just, just, we've recognized the success overnight, but the whole winding road up to that point was not overnight. That was mm. multiple, multiple mm-hmm. years, multiple experiences and all the wisdom and experiences and encounters and creations that get you to that point. That's a turning point, but it's not the turning point. There's many more success points to note and to mark in your trajectory, whether it started, you know, five minutes ago or it started seven years ago or longer. You know, I like I love hearing stories about people who don't hit their creative peak until their 70s or their 80s or their 90s. You know, I think that's just fucking phenomenal. I'm like, yeah, look how much time I have to be even more awesome. (laughs) Yes. I was chatting to a lady yesterday and she said her grandmother was her inspiration. She ran her first marathon at 69. Wow. That's incredible. That is. Yeah. Yeah. That's so often we think, oh, we're too old, too fat, too this, too that. And for every two we have, there's somebody who's, who's done that. And it's kind of that, that look for those ins- inspirations um, or create it yourself. It's like, if I, I want this thing, I'm looking up, like my book came about in a very long way because I was obsessed with before and after stories, but they were all before I was fat and my life was terrible. After I lost the weight, my life was magical. Did anybody, was I the only person on earth who lost and regained and lost and regained? And like, mm-hmm. that, that wasn't a story. And I was like, maybe you're supposed to write this one yourself. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So So, no, you go ahead. I was going to, I'm going to ask, um, you mentioned NLP. How do you, can you just tell it, touch a little bit on how that shows up in your work or how it showed up in your life and has helped you? Oh, (laughs) I was going to say, I have so many certifications. Like when I say to people about it, NLP (laughs) is one of them. Um, I've got like a little flip folder, but (laughs) basically how it showed up in my life was when I was like Googling way back when, you know, how to lose weight without dieting or can I lose weight and still eat chocolate? I came across um, a, a lady who taught NLP. Funnily enough, the first person I found, I didn't gel with. Like I did the NLP and I was like, this is a load of shit. (laughs) To be really honest, (laughs) I thought it was crap. And then I found another coach like a year later and I started working with her. She didn't say what her certifications or whatever were. And then when we started together, I was like, is this NLP? And she's like, yes. I'm like, oh, I think NLP. I'm nothing if not 
really honest, which gets me in trouble sometimes. But anyway, it was actually the best thing ever because with the first person, she was so, NLP is amazing. It's the best thing ever. See the dots. I saw fuck all. <laughs> Whereas this second lady was like, perhaps you're kinesthetic. Well, I'm a feeler. So I'm visual. I don't see anything. Um, and she's like, and I think with anything, when we don't speak up and those of us who are overgivers don't want to say, I don't see yeah. anything. I don't feel anything. Cause we just people please. Yeah. I, I see that. Your feelings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I got to the point where it's like, no, I'm not that I don't care or whatever, but like I'm the client here and I'm invested but not to be blaming, but like, you know, when you're really honest and saying, actually, I don't see anything, then they can work with you. They can bring the resistant part of you because often there's resistances don't actually want to change. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I had this fantastic experience the second time with NLP and then um, she actually is also a trainer. So I went back and trained with her, but basically what I love about it is, you know, we have the conscious mind, the conscious mind wants to change conscious mind. I'm never going to eat chocolate again. And I mean it Mm -hmm. in this moment. And then two hours later, I'm eating Tim Tams. Like there's no tomorrow. Like what the hell happened? The unconscious, the programming, the patterning, the conditioning, rewiring that. But, you know, I also do hypnosis. None of these things are going to work if on some level you don't want it. So it's getting to getting to a level of being really honest with yourself and saying, you know, like, I don't want it all the time, but like, what is the gain for me not changing? What is the gain for me? Because often when we have a weight loss goal, what I'm more interested in with my clients and, you know, I think NLP helps with what's the goal beyond the goal? Because yeah. so often it's like, I want to start a business or I, I want to leave my relationship or I want to this. And we're actually more afraid of that. So we'll stick with the, the easier pain. Um, so it helps you to you know, get really, really honest with yourself. And yeah, I've also done so many things. I don't know which one I actually use now. I don't like, oh, this is the modality. Well, that's a beautiful blend. I mean, Jen and I, I think work in a very similar way, right? We yeah. both have a number of certifications too and haven't necessarily gone down the path of um, niching or whatever we want to call it of like, you know, just one modality. I think that's the beauty is that there's so many of those these modality and it's not that one is better than another. It's that we're all bio-individual people and yeah. so some things work better for them. others and yeah, it's that call it's, on the tool that needs absolutely in the right? moment and or like you say the tool and the person together because I've had similar yeah. experiences too where I've worked with healers or coaches and you know it just doesn't click and then I've gone to somebody else and it's like the same modality but different person delivering it and it's like oh my yeah. this just changed my whole life um which is and I think know, oh Go ahead. I was say, and I think also too, for me, and I don't know if any of the listeners, so I will say this, sometimes when you do go to, you learn a healing modality or you go to a practitioner, it can kind of feel overwhelming. For me, it was kind of like, okay, so I've got a journal and I've got to tap and I've got to meditate and I've got to do, <laughs> yes. you know, and it's like, there's not enough hours in the day for all of this. <laughs> so if that happens to you, like my suggestion, my advice is all of these things are tools on your emotional tool belt. Like you don't see it. It's invisible that you wear around your yeah. waist. And it's like, in this moment, which one? So yes. like I use all of these things, but I don't have a, like people ask me, what's your morning routine or whatever. I don't have a set thing. It's like, which one do I feel called to use today? I do do a lot of journaling. Um, that's probably my primary go-to and, and meditating as well. <laughs> sound healing. I've got a couple of gen sound bars. Yes, you do. But 
I don't go, okay, because for anything, for me personally, if it becomes a prescription, it reminds me too much of my dieting history. And then I'm attached to doing it to get the tick in the box and not actually to get the healing or to get what I need from the process in the moment. And that is such gold for people, anybody listening. It's kind of also looking at why are you choosing that particular tool, modality or activity to address this particular issue, emotion or situation? Something that would be something else to dive into. It's like, I want to do this. It's like you talked about the ticking in the box. And, you know, I have a morning spiritual practice. Jane and I both have a morning, our own spiritual practices. And then we meet Monday to Friday. Usually we have a 7 a.m. phone call together where sometimes we'll have a podcast conversation. Sometimes we'll talk about, you know, something, something that's happening in our social networks. Or sometimes we just sit and meditate for 15 to 20 or 30 minutes. And we don't do that to check off a box. We no. do that because it genuinely provides us a wealth of I don't know, like it's, we didn't do it for two months and it was very noticeable. We were well, like, it's... oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, finding the tool and then knowing the reason why you're using that tool say, is super us, powerful. It connects to that pleasure. What we were saying earlier, where your brain, you're hardwired to look for pleasure and the things that feel good. And so we're connected in enough to know that that makes us feel better. And so, yeah. and like Jen said, when we stopped doing it, it was like, oh, this is okay, this is the thing. And I've really found that through my life now where I can see now when things are kind of off, I can, as long as I can cultivate my own awareness and stop and create the space, as you were saying, Suzanne, then I can usually look and be like, oh yeah, okay. I've dropped this over here or I'm not, you know, or look, Mm. the junk food has crept back in Mm. or whatever the thing is, I'm not moving my body and start to like identify the thing. And build up that hat like I've built up that habit enough that I'm like right okay that 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 neural programming is there I just need to go back into that groove um I love that frame because then it's not ever from a place of guilt or shame or punishment it's from a place of actually I miss this this thing was serving me in whatever way and I think for a lot of people when they do try healing modalities or things like this you know to to create change and they'll come to me or whoever else go I've done all that if you've done it with the intention of the tick in the box yeah, or if you've done like, so for me, meditation is one of my hardest to actually stop and slow down. And sometimes I'll sit there, you know, the, the 15 minutes and the whole time I'll be, it feel, it feel like hours <laughs> and other days it'll be like, well, the time's gone already, mm-hmm. but it's the, it's the commitment to showing up for myself. However, it's coming up in that day and not making it right or wrong or good or bad. Yes. And, you know, if some days you want to do something else instead or you just skip it entirely, but not to guilt and beat yourself up, but to be like, oh, I miss that. I'm like, you guys were saying you miss your morning connection that serves that. you. Yep. And it provides so much. It provided so much um, rich gold. So it was really what that, what having that break taught us was, a, it helps our business to run more effectively when we have that morning connection time. Mm. B, mentally, that meditation and that piece helped us really uh, move through our days with our respective lives with more ease and more insight. And so we could connect the next day and be like, oh, how are you feeling? Well, you know, oh, this happened. Oh, and, our, and then sometimes we'll do spontaneous work for and with each other. So 
we might see something we because we're both human design projectors so we see for each other where the gaps are where we can't see for ourselves and then we can go oh have you you know we provide each other the invitation it's like are you looking for feedback yes i'm looking for feedback great so this is my perspective and and we do this on voxer as well so we're both auditory processors so we're both like you know (laughs) (laughs) nobody else (laughs) would want to listen to our boxes because sometimes they're like 11 to 15 minutes long and i'll like catch up on the dog walk and i'll respond back so the function of those conversations became super valuable when we didn't have them and yeah. we didn't guilt each other for not, cause there's nothing to guilt. Honestly, we were just, life happens. Jane was sick. You know, we were like, Oh, let's have a pause. But the reality was we came to re- recognize that that ticked a huge box and provided a tremendous amount of value for each of us in so many facets of our areas of our lives. And when I think I, the I reverse. Love- oh, I was just going to say is true too of, it's important to look and go, what boxes am I ticking that actually aren't working for me? Yes. I was going to say, I love that because it's the, the checking in, you know, is it serving? It's having a break and then, you know, checking in again. So my, my program used to be a membership, which is, was ongoing. And, you know, in hindsight, or I got to the point where I was like, there's never any time for celebration. There's never any time for up-leveling. It's just kind of like, when people stay until they leave and they kind of sneak out quietly or whatever, we don't have this graduation and what should have been a graduation. And yes, kind of becomes a funeral if people stay too long. So if you're forcing yourself to do something because it ticks a box that you think that you should do externally, and then you're not actually checking in with yourself and and having a season because we have seasons in nature Mm -hmm. and we have seasons in ourselves. So now that's why it's a 10 week program. We have artificial obviously because you know but season of spring let's come together summer let's do the work um autumn or fall let's harvest and then winter let's break in between and you know with whatever tool it is that we're using is this still playing a functional role in my life or am i still Mm -hmm. just doing this to tick the box because i've always done it um and what could i do instead and even with certain things like (laughs) a really random example but right now with um coronavirus my husband can work from home he can actually drop the kids at school because he can have morning tea break at the time. So like how much time that freed up for me, mm-hmm. sensational. He gets some more time with the kids, but I just kept taking them to school because that's what I'd always done. So to look at where in your life are things that you're doing out of some sense that you always have and what yeah. else is available and then giving mm-hmm. it a go. And if it doesn't work, mm, but if it does, what does that free up for you? Cause I wouldn't be having this conversation with you guys right now. Cause it's morning time for me <laughs> in, right. in a normal school day. I'd be doing the get ready for school. Thing. Yeah. I think that's also that yes, no thing that mm-hmm. you held up earlier with this popsicle stick. Maybe we'll figure out a way to like make that a, like a download or an add on or just like, yes, no, here's your, get your popsicle stick. You can here's literally your, do print, it with just a, um, print like these a two pages, sticky note. Sticky note. Like yeah. I yeah. literally, I, I always have a sticky note with me when I go to an event or if I'm you know away, mm. I don't have my popsicle stick because it's like, where am I saying no to myself? By saying yes to others there are yeah, there are yeah. times could you do this i'd love to but there are times where it's like actually no i don't want to and by doing that it means mm-hmm. i can't listen to the program do my meditation go for a walk or whatever um or are they up to adapt like you guys talk about boxer i love boxer because i can catch mm-hmm. up with my friends while i'm yeah. out walking yeah but we don't have to be in real time yeah exactly it's such a such a powerful tool the um yeah, another perfect example. Like I just told Jane before this conversation that I'm in I'm in a choir called Vox Humana and we've just been getting back into rehearsals again. We have an upcoming concert, which I'm very excited about. I love the material. And then there's another follow-up concert 
and um, with the symphony. And I was, you know, two months ago, I was like, yes, yes, yes. And now I'm like, no. And it's I, funny, I want right the before, spaciousness. And when, right when you said that, right before this con, she told me I said no. And I was like, amazing. What are you saying yes to? Right. And it was, mm-hmm. that was like, it's so I was thinking about that when Suzanne held up the sign because I was like, Jen and I just had this conversation. Just had the conversation. Like, so she, you've opened and you don't know necessarily, you're not saying no, no to that to say yes to something specific right now, but you are by saying no to that, you're saying yes to yourself and or yes to that next thing. That's yes come to in spaciousness. That's why wow. so you've created space. Because yeah. I think how many of us try and make a change and don't have success because we're just trying to jam in more into an already overstuffed lifestyle. Totally. So it's like by decluttering what it is that we're doing and committing to what yeah. are we making space for? And even for a while, just for rest. Yes, oh. absolutely. Well, I know, like, I think part of that decision-making was that I know I have a really um, intensive April and yes, April includes, you know, five days away. So like I do get a vacation. I've got that rest space built in, but I know like I have some big things to deliver and I'm excited about them. And at the same time, I know that I will want that space in May to reflect and to, I'm not recover because it's not really, but I want that space in May to balance the output in April. Mm-hmm. Build your capacity so, back up because you know yeah. when we give and give and give that yeah. our capacity bank is depleted and that needs to be replenished. Um, and that's something that we don't often look at because we think, oh, just keep going, just keep mm-hmm. soldiering on. Completely. No. Yeah, yeah. No, we have to fill it up. Oh, this so has been cool. such a great conversation. Yes. I'm where it. Suzanne, where can our uh, listeners find you? And can you share a little bit more about your Why Wait program? So certainly. So they can find me at my website, SuzanneKolberg.com, which I know you'll link because I'll be fascinated if anybody can find it. <laughs> it's not a common <laughs> spelling. Um, so my Why Wait program, it enrolls four times a year. It's seasonal. <laughs> Though Perfect. each round has all four seasons. So it's kind of fascinating. And it's about... So we have, it's called why wait, but it's not about physical weight on your body. It's like, what are we waiting for? What are we putting off? What are we going to do once we've achieved this? And how can we start today? And I talk about the four bodies, so physical, mental, emotional, energetic, or spiritual, because our thoughts and our feelings, so often we keep changing our action, hoping for a different result, back to that overgiving cycle. Mm -hmm. But if on some level you think this is never going to work, doesn't matter what you do you're going to create the results. It's about shifting those thoughts, shifting those beliefs, learning how to actually feel our feelings, which so many of us don't. We numb them out with food or working or um, yeah. you know, something else, like Exercise. actually how to process a feeling. And it's 10 weeks long. There is a lot in there. So my invitation for everyone is to pick your intention because your intention plus attention equals an outcome. And then if you're so called, there is future rounds. So the first round is $1,200 Australian. And then I have an alumni rate. So people can take a round off or many rounds and they come back. It's just, it's a fantastic community because it's a place where you can actually own what's going on without guilt, without shame, without, oh, have you tried this? Because <laughs> how <laughs> often can you not actually share what's happening without somebody trying to fix it for you? Mm-hmm. But a place to be seen, to be witnessed and to share what's happening and yeah, it's absolutely, it's, it's been running for in, in this iteration a year, but altogether three years. We've had some people who've been there the whole time, some people who come and go and whatever happens, you can show up, you can be you and create, you know, the next version of you in a container and a space where people 
can just be honest and yeah I absolutely love it that's that awesome amazing thank you we will link to show notes and we'll put the link to the website in there definitely suzannekullberg.com is that all right yes go visit yeah download the first two chapters of her book definitely the beginning is shit because you know frankly for everybody the beginning is shit you know for anything it's It's we often we give up too soon we like oh it's not perfect straight away what is imagine if we were all babies and like i couldn't walk immediately so i'm just not going to bother keep pulling (laughs) ourselves up keep falling down that's how you build the strength to be able to keep going oh thank you life is a metaphor such a good reminder for all of us i needed to hear that today so thank you (laughs) Thank you both. That's a great reminder. Thank you, Suzanne, for joining us today. We are so excited to have you back again when your next book comes out, which we haven't even talked about, but we you will hear from all of us again. And is there a timeline for that next book yet? Or is No, it... so now okay. I actually have to start cracking on. I've got an outline and that's as far as I've gotten. <laughs> okay, cool. So we will have Suzanne back on. No Halos here. And I've got some snippets of wisdom I think we'll just wrap it up here. Anything else to share? We're good. Thanks Amazing. For me. Thanks, everybody. Have an awesome day. And we will see you next time, or we, you will hear us next time on No Halos Here. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for these conscious combos. If you're ready to dive deeper, head on over to wearejenandjane.com to continue the conversation. If you loved this episode, please take a moment to share it with your friends or your network and leave us a review by going to Apple Podcasts. Find us on Instagram at wearejenandjane and let us know what you enjoy and what you would like to see more of. We'd love to hear from you.